live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and we're on Radio Row in CPAC, here at CPAC in Washington, D.C. People are lining up to go into the Reagan dinner. It's Friday, and I'm hungry, but we're going to have a radio show, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a little breakdown of what you can expect tonight. Uh, we got a bunch of interviews. We got former AG Matt Whitaker, uh, who's on deck with us tonight. Uh, immigration lawyer Maria Herrera, she's outstanding. Uh, we've also got Eileen Subjack. We've got the Patriot Ticks, Anthony Schaefer, uh, as well as Elizabeth Torres. Uh, she's a congressional delegate for statehood from the island of Puerto Rico. Lots of women here, lots of conservative women. Uh, they say there's a war on women. I haven't seen such a thing, especially not here tonight. But a quick headline. Uh, and this happened last night, but it continues. Convicted killer Alex Murdaugh, his mugshot has been released after a double life sentence for the family murder. This is the guy that got caught uh, killing his wife by Googling how to get rid of a body, and they found his search results, and voila, they caught this guy. So that's the, the story on that. But it's it's always a good time to be at CPAC, the uh, conservative political action conference, biggest one in the country. And uh, lots of speakers. I was a speaker here this week, and that's why I'm here. And we're participating in Broadcast Row. And tomorrow, uh, former President Donald Trump will take the stage to give his remarks as the keynote speaker. And uh, we'll give you an update on that on Monday's program. Uh, There will not be an open phone segment tonight because we have so many people that we've met with here at CPAC that I want you to be up to speed with what's going on. Uh, But I definitely want to speak with you guys on Monday. So uh, don't, don't give up on me yet. But... I want to talk about um, the importance of liberty, the importance of, of an informed citizenry, uh, being an informed patriot. Right? Reagan left us with those words saying that we needed to be informed patriots. And the reason that we, it's so important to me is because we don't really move forward, I think, as a civil society, as, as a country, as, uh, as, as this American experiment, unless we've actually uh, participated in the civic process. Right. Otherwise, we're just stagnant and we don't want to be stagnant. We want to hold on to liberty. We want to make sure that we leave a better America for our children than the America that we experienced and benefited from. So that being said, again, if you hear the background noise, it's just there's people lining up to go into the the Reagan dinner here at CPAC. And it's it's important for the vital health of America, just the way it's important for the vital health of oneself. To focus on your patriotism, to make patriotism, to make sure that you're doing the right thing by your country, and taking care of your country is a lot like taking care of your body, right? I mean, if you're not taking care of your body, what are you doing? Well, I think you have to take care of everything, and you could start with your liver. I know you're thinking, why, why liver? I don't even like liver. I'm telling you to eat liver. I'm telling you to take care of your liver, right? And and one of the reasons you have to do that is because the latest data from the American Heart Association. It it indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half more times more likely to have heart failure than those without it. 
The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many of them are at risk. Now listen, we throw everything at our livers. Cholesterol, I know I do. I put down a, a one three many eggs way too often. Alcohol, toxins, cigarettes. People do a lot of things. That's why so many of us have a sluggish, fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. It's time for you to help your liver. There's a solution. Liver Health Formula from Pure Health Research. It contains 12 proven botanicals that will help you recharge and protect your liver. You've got to try it. I, I urge you to try it. Try Liver Health Formula from Pure Health Research and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula. This is going to help you reduce your sugar cravings. I definitely get those, I, and I definitely feed them from time to time. Don't tell anybody. So claim your offer at getliverhelp.com slash Valdez. That's getliverhelp.com slash Valdez, and that's Valdez with an S, by the way. And always remember, these statements and products, they haven't been evaluated by the FDA. These products aren't intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition, because that would make me a doctor, and I'm not a doctor. I'm a radio guy, and I'm a real happy radio guy, and it's my pleasure to be here with you guys tonight. We've got an amazing show in store for you, so keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, excuse me, and we're coming right back with former Attorney General Matthew Whitaker. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America. Welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we're here on Broadcast Row at CPAC DC 2023. A lot of people here. I was just sitting here admiring how great my hair looks in my cell phone. And all of a sudden I see this guy goes to the same barber as me. He's got a tremendous uh, head of hair. His name is uh, former Attorney General Matt Whitaker. He's a friend of the program and he's here with us now. He's been presenting all week here at CPAC. General, welcome, sir. It's good to see you, my friend. Absolutely. I so, love it when we can get together, don't you? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's, I, I first met Matt Whitaker here at CPAC. That's right. And we were eating all of the goodies in the green room, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was before you were big time. That's I mean, it's, true. you know. <laughs> That's true. Now I'm famous. Now I have yeah. long hair. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Attorney General Matt Whitaker, let's talk about uh, some of what you're talking about here. You've had a couple of panels uh, that I think were on really um, hot button issues. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the first thing I, I did yesterday was I sat down with uh, Senator and Coach Tommy Tuberville, and we had a really interesting discussion. You know, he start, I mean, he started as a high school teacher and football coach, and then, you know, got into college assistant coaching and became a head coach, and now he's a U.S. Senator. And so he sort of has a really interesting perspective on, you know, what's happening in our schools, how our children are not being educated, wokeism invading uh, many uh, public school districts and his concern for the future generations. And, you know, that's, I think that's the real challenge um, of our day uh, among so many other things. And, you know, we had, he's just such an interesting guy. I mean, because I love uh, elected officials who don't come 
from the traditional model. Right. I, I like them when they've done things other than real people. run for office. We have too many of those folks that have only run for office, have never held a real job, I, never I, signed I the front of a of paycheck, one. never... Joe you know, Biden. Yeah, never been accountable <laughs> right. uh, for to anything other than just trying to get reelected. And especially in some of these blue states and blue districts where there's really no competition, uh, no, no discussion of the ideas and the ideals that make our country great. You know, we've talked about this before, Rich, and I, uh, I, so that was a great discussion. Uh, I've been, you know, spending the last two days also uh, sitting on the CPAC uh, Now show and, you know, talking to, you know, interesting characters, anything from the York County, Pennsylvania uh, DA, uh, Dave Sunday, who's in pe- who's facing this fentanyl crisis and the, and the border crisis. He's having to, you know, compete uh, in Pennsylvania, so far from the border, but policies in Mexico and at the southern border in the Biden administration are affecting his citizens. Yeah, and how he's how he's having to combat that. I talked to Kimberly Guilfoyle. You know, she was amazing. She and I go way back. She's half Puerto Rican. Yes, she told me that. <laughs> she said half Puerto Rican and I think half Italian or something. I mean, she's she is um, what a what a firecracker. You know, oh, yeah. she we were talking about her new show on Rumble and kind of the new new media and you know sort of how everybody's having to adjust to that uh and how 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 viewers you know they find people like you and they're they're loyal because you're talking the truth yeah and 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 that's the other thing um that's you know been the thread throughout this whole conference so far is is it's just talking to ordinary americans who are here celebrating you know being patriots exercising their first amendment rights you know there's a real feeling i think a lot of our, our a lot of our fellow citizens are worried about their fundamental constitutional rights and whether um, they're going to survive uh, for the next generation because you know this Biden administration is using instruments like the Department of Justice, like we've talked about, um, to quash free speech, to go after uh, political ideology, you know, to enforce laws against conservatives that they're not enforcing in the you know on the flip side of that against liberals. And and it's just been I love CPAC. I've been coming here for almost a decade. Uh, when we first met, sure, um, and I just, you know, I just enjoy this is a celebration. Uh, it's great to see so many friends again and so many people I've been seeing from year to year. You know, it, it comes full circle, though, right? So we're talking about. Um, I was at a thing the other night here, uh, one of the panels about activism. It was activism training, and it, it goes to what you're saying that when you when you're able to recruit people from the private sector that aren't career politicians, but get in. Yeah. And, and they can make a difference because they're bringing this um, this newness, this freshness, where they you know they bring their business to the table, right? Whether butcher, baker, candlestick maker, but they're bringing that mindset. Oh, Trump, let's just think of Trump, right? Trump brought that whole uh, we're building a hotel. That's you know no, you're fired. All, all that cool uh-huh. stuff that he yeah. brings, he brought that to Washington and it messed them all up. They were like. What do you mean? How do you, what do you mean no? And you sue them. You know, let's yeah. get this done. What do you mean I can't do this? Right, exactly. And I think it's that, that's the type of energy you need to bring about the change right. because that's truly what represents we the people. And, and that's where we miss. Yeah, Rich, I mean, you're, you just, you know, you, you live and breathe this. I mean, you, you know, all of us, I think, have inherited um, this really fragile thing called the American dream. And we've all been given the opportunity to experience the American dream in our own unique ways. And I think that's what's at stake. That's what the future of the republic depends on, is that we preserve the American dream. Because there's no uh, German dream. There's no, I mean, think about <laughs> right, it. There's, not even a Puerto Rican the dream. Chinese, there's nobody talking about the Chinese dream. And we, we, people are, are really, I mean, they're dying in deserts at our southern border trying to become part of the American dream and trying to get their own 
uh, a better future for their children. It's and and we need to remember that. And you know, the problem, as you know, is not first and second generation immigrants. The problem is seventh and eighth generation Americans that have forgotten how this all came to be. Right. And think that and think for some reason that they that we can go woke, that we can sort of lurch far left, even though it's never worked in world or human history, but somehow that that's going to save uh, the republic. I mean, we all know we all know the recipe for America's success, and let's hope that we can maintain it. Let's talk about politics a little bit, because, um, you know, as much as I criticize him, Joe, and I call him Joe El Baboso Biden, uh, <laughs> the, the reality is, you know, he starts to squint a little, he starts to smile a lot. And, and, and people become very forgiving. And I, I would think conventional wisdom is, you know, things are not going great for any candidate who, who's in his position, but there's a lot of talk of him running for re-election. Uh, Dr. Jill Biden is saying, oh, if he runs, I'm all in. And, you know, that's what she's supposed to say. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's not a, he's not a shoe-in, but there's, there's like a chance that he right. may run. And if he does, is it a blessing or a curse? I don't know because you know you you describe this squinting and smiling. I think of him clenched fist, you know, yelling at us <laughs> about how you know inherently horrible most of us are. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think Joe Biden runs again. I mean, he's listen. He's a politician, and so that means he's got an enormous ego. For 50 years, he's been in Washington. He knows no other way. I don't think they're the establishment Democrats are going to be able to kick him to the side. And, you know, I mean, if you play that out, let's game theory that. I mean, so you, they kick Joe Biden to the side. Kamala Harris can't win a nationwide election. I'd love to. I'd love well, her I to mean, try. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but she can't. We all know that. I mean, we, of course, conservatives would love for her to try. But and they can't get rid of her. They can't kick her off the ticket. They can't not make her the nominee. So at the end of the day, Rich, I think I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be another Biden Trump matchup. That's what I feel. You know, the President Trump will be here tomorrow. There's a lot of excitement. I mean, I, I, just a little secret. I, maybe you were here for it, but uh, Nikki Haley was here walking through the crowd. Oh. And everywhere she went, they were the chant was Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> so I just, you know, that's, that's what's happening here at CPAC. I, you know, and, and you see that, I think, everywhere you go. Yeah, you know, Nikki Haley, I think, I think she's a wonderful person. Uh, Great but politician. Yeah. Very just, talented. And, and you got to commend her for getting into a race with the former president. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. I agree. What's the old saying? You shoot for for the moon, and if you miss, you're amongst the stars. Get the stars, yep. I All right. Well, Attorney General Matt Whitaker, I want to ask you a couple more things, because um, your, your work with... Um, uh, the America First Policy, Policy Institute, Institute yep. uh, focuses on on legal issues and whatnot. And I think not the least of which is is the border, right? The, the border is a big legal issue, not to mention it it's a national security issue or uh, a big drug issue. But it's it's a it's a problem. How do you advise uh, people, people that are state yeah. attorneys general, people that are prosecutors? Yeah. Well, I mean, we do a lot of important work at America First Policy Institute. We have 21 uh, policy centers. I, I lead the Center for Law and Justice. We also have a border security, national security um, policy center. Uh, and Chad Wolf, the former DHS secretary, acting secretary, runs that for us. He's also our executive director uh, at AFPI. It's a really a strong team. A lot of Trump uh, cabinet members, uh, you know, people that I s served with and respect a lot. Uh, and, you know, that as a C3, we have to, you know, be very careful playing politics, but, but we also can, we know what common sense 
uh, and good policy is. And so we've we've produced all sorts of uh, we've produced an entire book actually, the American Agenda. Oh wow! That people can get at AmericaFirstPolicy.org, um, and you know that that is the recipe. That that is the the the, the playbook for the future and how we fix things at the border, how we reduce drug use in America, how we reduce overdose deaths, how we encourage and, 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 and recruit and, and support law enforcement, you know, all of the issues and, and, and a national security front as well. I mean, it just, we cover soup to nuts, every policy you could possibly think of and, and what the prescription is to get us back on the right footing. If people want to check out the work that you're doing there, where do you send them? AmericaFirstPolicy.org uh, is the best place. You know, uh, everything I'm doing is at Whitaker.tv, uh, and you know, I Matthew see you on G. TV a lot. Com. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, I probably do two or three uh, television hits uh, every day um, on various outlets. Uh, do a lot of radio and enjoy myself. Um, I love doing your show. I'm so glad that uh, I'm glad you I do want it. To be a regular on your show. Yeah. I know it's the long form. Uh, right, and that's what I love about it. You yeah, can really can have a conversation. It's not six minutes where you know TV is great, but you get six minutes and you're out the door and you got to shoot fast. Yeah. Here we can really break things down, and occasionally we'll take a caller, and and I, I love that part of it because you're really talking to America, mm-hmm. and they're calling from everywhere, yeah. and they're like, well, you know, I, I here's what I think. And to me, that's that's the beauty of, of this particular format. Well, just know that uh, the last time I was on your show, uh, a friend of mine uh, from uh, Naples, Florida, uh, just happened to be listening. And I hadn't told him that I was going to be on, but uh, cool. he, was, he, was, he, he loves you. Oh, and good. he listens to your show uh, every night. Amen to that. Well, I love him, too. <laughs> I love him, too. And it's funny, we had um, your former boss on not too long ago. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, you know, Rich, I love your show. I love your show. And when I don't listen, I have people that listen. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, they're keeping tabs on me. That's a good thing, though. No, and he does. He either sees it. I'll often, when I'm on TV, I'll often hear from him or somebody else uh, that says, uh, hey, the boss saw you, and this is what he thinks. This is what you should say. This is... <laughs> He's, he's, he's very, I mean, he's, he's paying attention to what's going on. No, I, he critiqued me while he was on the air. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> he said something that I thought was really good. He said, you know, this is tough because if you're too soft, people won't want to listen. And yeah. if you're too hard, the guests won't come back. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, very few get that, that angle of, right. of this job. Right. But anyway, let me remind everybody, we're on with Attorney General Matthew Whitaker, uh, well, former Attorney General Matthew Whitaker, who's uh, with America First Policy Institute. He's a great guy. He's been here at CPAC. He's been doing panels all week. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you. And enlightening us. Good to see you, my friend. Yes, sir. Likewise. All right, right, America, there's more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about immigration with um, immigration attorney Maria Herrera. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we're here at CPAC. We're on Broadcast Row. There's a 1,000 people here. For somebody like me that has ADD, I like all of this activity. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, but with us, we have uh, one of the uh, media representatives for uh, CPAC is Maria Herrera. And she is uh, with Voz Media, V-O-Z. Now, I'm, I'm bringing her to your attention for several reasons. Um, not the least of which is because she's pretty and blonde. That has nothing to do with it. But, but, but what it really has to do with is that there is a, a lot of presence from a lot of people. When they say that there's a war on women, there's a lot of women in a lot of big positions here. There's a lot of women uh, from of color, a lot of women that are Hispanic. There's a lot of Latinas here. So I'm just, I'm trying to give you the best snapshot we can as we're here live on the ground in CPAC uh, today, Friday. And um, she is an immigration attorney and handles various issues with immigration, but also works in media. Maria Herrera, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Rich. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the American illegal immigration situation that we have going on. Because uh, I'm of the opinion, if you have a president like Joe Biden that says, you know, and he doesn't say it, but, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? And it's clear, I know people. I, I get my coffee every morning in a little Cuban place. And the guy there tells me, he says, so many Cubans are coming across the Mexican border. Correct. And I said, why? Why not come through Miami? He said, oh, it's easier to come through Mexico. It's $4,000. You pay the guy, they get you right through. And then once you're here, Biden does the rest. Absolutely. And I said, wow, that's amazing. And he said, yeah. He said, if you're coming from another place, it might cost you $8,000 because it's further away. But he said, from Cuba, people, $4,000 is better than getting eaten, eaten by sharks risking that trip from, you know, from Havana to Key West or whatever. Correct. And, and I was fascinated by this, but he he makes a great point. And who doesn't want to be an American, right? Who doesn't want to live in the U.S.? I get that point. The, the part that I get is it's up to the government to say, hey, look, we can take you, but we can't take you. You've got to come the right way. We have asylum. We had Trump's MPP policy. We don't have that anymore. And and to me, it's a, it's an issue that, that's important because it's undercutting people. There are people, um, Hispanics that are in the United States, African-Americans in the United States that, that could have different types of jobs that are having less opportunity because there's so much um, illegal, cheap labor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and this is a problem. And not the least of which is the, the drug problem. We can get into that in a moment. But you are an immigration attorney, so I know you have a, a unique perspective on this because you deal with people on a regular basis. Tell us a little bit about that. So, Rich, I do border representation, meaning, you know, we represent clients coming through the southern border who are trying to, you know, move to Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. The main problem I see is that Joe Biden, the way he's handling immigration, is like he wants to tell people these are not illegal immigrants. Why? Because he's paroling everybody in. And that's right. Once you are paroled, once they accept you, you come here with a humanitarian parole, you're no longer illegal. But the reality is that there is no a background check on these people. And all the previous credible fear interviews that they used to run on migrants, the safeguards are no longer there. Why? Because if we are talking about 250,000 people on average coming every month, there's no sufficient you know, amount of Border Patrol agents. There is not enough time to process everybody. 
So what they're doing is like they're creating these unconstitutional new pathways to come to the United States and not be labeled under, you know, the illegal immigration, um, you know, uh, niche. So it's sad because a lot of people are actually being persecuted in Cuba and they're trying to come here and do the thing the right way. But the majority of them, they're either coming for job, you know, for jobs or they're economic migrants or they're just basically lying. And so we are unable to separate the truly persecuted people from other type of migrants. And that's a problem because it, when you're paroling people without any sort of control, then you have, and that happens a lot in Miami, people say, well, how is that person in Miami? That was the same one that incarcerated my son. That's the same one that beat my nephew. That's the same one who works for, you know, the, the security guards in Cuba. How did the U.S.? Right, there these is, are communists. Yeah, they're communists. There's a guy who worked for uh, the Castros, and they made him an asylee in Miami and of course as soon as he became a permanent resident now he joined the pro-Castro groups in Miami Wow! so that's the first question they ask you when you come here have you joined or have you been part of a communist party they just have to say no and everybody they think it's it's true why are we doing that you know <laughs> right. and th those people I'm telling you about the one that identified the, the previous persecutors they reported to DHS to the FBI there is not enough resources to go after every, you know, security guard in Cuba or after every Chavista from Venezuela. That's what's happening in Miami. Wow. And that's an interesting thing because uh, you mentioned the Chavistas, the followers of Hugo Chavez from, from Venezuela. They're, they're just as dangerous, right? Of we, course. We, the, I don't care what their problem is. We don't need communists in the United States. You have to see the city of Doral. You, you have to see all these uh, demonstrations in favor of Biden. Biden and Maduro, they're advocating for Biden and Maduro lifting the sanctions. Those, some of them... They just crossed the border. During the uh, Black Lives Matter uprising and what happened, during, I, I believe it was 2020, right? Yeah. The Miami Police Department identified a lot of people, young people who came from the Dominican Republic who have been trained in Venezuela and they just come here with a tourist visa or a student visa to participate in the peaceful protest, meaning joining the Marxist Black Lives Matter to destroy the United States. If there is a guy here that I want to call the attention, there is a former president of Spain called uh, Rodriguez Zapateros, and he is part of the Grupo de Puebla, which is the international leftist group in wow. Mexico. And he made the following statement in public on a Zoom call. We have to make the impossible to put the U.S. in the most uncomfortable way. We need basically to take the U.S. down. He said that out loud. Wow. Next month, we have the Marxist youth here in the United States joining Black Lives Matter. So people are not seeing the signs. Right. They are the all, yeah, they, they are all connected to destroy the U.S. as we know it. Wow. Wow, folks, that's uh, heavy duty to me. I don't think she's making it up because I'm no. seeing it with my own eyes. Uh, this is uh, attorney Maria Herrera. She's an immigration lawyer. She's also a broadcaster and uh, works with Voz Media. We're going to talk about her work in the media as well. Coming straight ahead. Make sure you check us out on social media at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez. And we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Make sure you give us a follow and chime in on the conversation. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm here at CPAC. It's uh, jam-packed. It's buzzing. You can hear the noise in the background. We're, uh, we're set up on broadcast row today, and uh, it's very busy. There's a lot of people here, and uh, sometimes it's a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to the quiet studio, but the somebody that's in front of me right now is doing a great job. Maria Herrera, she is a immigration attorney. She's also a uh, media superstar. She's been uh, doing stand-up hits here uh, at CPAC, and uh, she was gracious enough to invite me for an interview on Vos Media. And I wanted to learn more about the work that she's doing with Vos Media, and that's Vos, V-O-Z. Uh, Maria, tell us about it. So I'm their chief legal and policy analyst. Basically, I'm attending conservative conferences like this. I also attended the um, America First Policy Summit in yes. D.C. last summer. And I'm getting to know a lot of people who have no idea what's going on in the Hispanic community. People think that the majority of Hispanics are Democrats. That's not true, especially in Miami, where I reside. 70% of the um, of the of Miami are Hispanics, and the majority of them, Cuban and Venezuela, support the Republican Party. But there is a job to be done with the Mexican-American community, which is the majority of the Hispanic community. These people uh, come, some of them through the southern border, sometimes they come through the embassy visa process, but unfortunately, because Mexico Mexicans are all about family values, just like most of the Hispanic, but Mexican, particularly, the Democratic Party has done a great job telling them they are the party of the immigrants. They are the ones that are going to give them papers, and they offer free education. You know, they tell the, 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 the kids, we're not going to deport your parents. Well, let me tell you something, because Obama was the deporter in chief. Yeah. You know, and Biden has expelled a lot of people, but his justification is that he used Title 42 and he had nothing to do because that policy was passed under the Trump administration BS. We all know what happened last week. He passed almost identical po identical policy of what Trump passed in 2020 and before 2020, 2019. Why? Because they, it worked. It worked because, listen, this is insane. Why would you make people cross seven countries to ask for international protection? If this is all about international protection, then all countries should be coordinated. If I'm escaping Dominican Republic, and or, uh, let's put it the other way around. I'm Haitian and I want to go to Dominican Republic to ask for international protection. That's where, you know, the United Nations should offer international protection or the government of the... But you cannot justify that we have over 7,000 Haitians coming from Chile. They were green cards, some of them permanent residents in Chile. And now if you don't accept them, you're racist. Right. No. It's just like it has to be legal and organized migration because we saw firsthand what happened at the detention center under Biden. A lot of kids got COVID because they were like, you know, in, in a detention center where usually you will have 250 kids. They were putting thousands of kids together. So that's the first thing. And second, we don't have enough border patrol agents. Right. Let me tell you a um, statistic, Rich. So in the U.S., there are only 500 immigration judges. There's a backlog of almost 3 million cases in immigration courts. My clients have to wait 
at least two years to get their day in court. And CBP and ICE don't ever extend their work permit if they come with parole. So we have this fight. So my clients say, so I come from Cuba, where I'm not allowed to work, to be in the United States, to beg for money, food stamp, Medicaid, and money, and I have to be supposed to be in the couch for two years. I come with minors. This is, they recognize the new system. Cuba. No, they say this is the new Cuba. And wow. when you say that, the CBP is like, well, no, no, it's a judge jurisdiction. You let them in, you make sure they have work permit and they pay their taxes because you, me, Rich, we don't have to pay for these people. Right. They're in their 30s, they're in their 40s, they come here to work. Let them have work at least. Yeah. That's I, my position. I, I think I agree. Let them yeah. work. <laughs> we shouldn't be creating a system where people become dependent on the system. Yeah. Taking able bodied people and making them. And then the Democrats say, oh, we need 17 new, 17 new million new immigrants. Well, no. With with Biden, that we already have five. So what are they? Why aren't they working? What? Why are we paying for that? It's not being anti-immigrant. It's like we need to make sure taxpayers' money it doesn't go to people who are completely capable of working, but we just don't want them to join the workforce. We just want them to become socialist and dependent on us. Yeah, it's like neo-Marxism in the United States. Yeah. Scary stuff. Very scary stuff. You know, let me let me compare what's happening here yeah. with what's happening in Europe. I'm from Spain. Spain never had a really, uh, I mean, a really great problem with migrants coming from Northern Africa. You know why? Because the Spanish government before they never offer uh, Medicaid food stamp to migrants. However, France did, Denmark oh, yeah. did, and that's where the migrants went. Now we have a socialist communist government in Spain, the only one that has communist member in the entire European Union, and of course they're giving these migrants 1,500 euros sometimes. So they why not? They, why would they? Yeah, they, they, they don't, they keep don't want to go to France. There's way better lifestyle in Spain. So now we have a problem. So it's it's a government issue, and they're like, you know, laughing at at, at citizens who are working and they don't make enough money to collect later for their pensions. Wow. All right, everybody, we're on with Maria Herrera. She's with Voss Media. She's their uh, chief legal and policy analyst, and she is an immigration attorney. As you can see, she's very passionate and very knowledgeable about the issues. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of how she got here, right? Because uh, she's more than just a pretty face, clearly. She knows what she's talking about, and she has an international perspective that I think is uh, is interesting because she's seen the immigration pro problems in Spain, and you could just oppose them in a way that I couldn't because I haven't seen those problems. So we're going to talk about that coming up straight ahead again. Get us on social media at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S, and we will come right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, special edition of America at Night from CPAC, the Conservative Political Action you. Conference. And I we are you. here. I love you. 
I was just interrupted by a passerby who seems incredibly inebriated, and he gave me a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. That was crazy. <laughs> that happened live. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, that happened, and... Uh, he fell in love with you, I think, right? Good Lord. Everybody loves... Uh, everybody loves some Rich Valdez today. Oh, boy. You were supposed to help me out there, Maria. Anyway, she's blushing. I'm probably blushing, too. Maria Herrera is uh, the uh, policy and legal analyst for Vos Media, and I-, I wanted to just spend a couple of minutes before we let her go to go back to what she's doing in the media world to, to discuss. How did you get here, right? Are you from Barcelona or from Madrid? I'm luckily not from Barcelona or Madrid. I'm from <laughs> southern Spain, Sevilla. Oh, sure. Sevilla. Yes, that's where the Emmys are going to be. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about Sevilla. Yeah, it's beautiful, gorgeous city. So I came here back in 2008. I graduated from law school, and I started my PhD back in Spain, but I got a scholarship, so I went to uh, Gulfport near Tampa Bay area. And um, then I stayed, I studied for a year, got a job offer. And you know what? At the time, we have the global financial crisis. The youth in Spain... The youth unemployment in Spain reached 52%. Oh, my goodness. So nobody had jobs. And I told myself, I need to stay here. So I had to do it all over again. I went to Arizona, did my JD, worked at the border. That's how I became an immigration attorney. And now, luckily, I'm helping a lot of people, but also criticizing the U.S. government because I think this is not sustainable, what we're doing. And we were going to pay a very high price for what we're offering without any, you know, any, I mean, any any idea what they're doing, actually. Right. Right. Now, uh, if people want to find out more about you and see, you know, the work that you're doing and keep up, uh, how do they find you? So they can find me on social media under Abogada Maria Herrera or Attorney Maria Herrera. And, um, yeah, I I, I do short videos on immigration, but I also interview people. I I interview, like, you, former President Donald Trump. And I was lucky enough to interview other presidents, like the president of Guatemala, who said on record that Kamala Harris never asked her, asked him to stop the caravans. She never wanted to have an extradition for drug dealers or human traffickers. And that he was tired of begging the U.S. government to stop this crazy immigration, uh, you know, scheme. He said that on my show. And I'm telling you, these are the people we need to listen to. All right. Let everybody know again. uh, Attorney Maria Herrera. That's with two R's. And make sure you follow her, check her out. Do you have a website? Um, I do, I do. Maria Herrera Mellado. Very good. Good luck with that one. <laughs> I can spell it out, but I think your Hispanic audience know what yeah. I'm talking well, about. Spell it out for everybody else. Oh, we can do Maria Herrera Mellado. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. Dot com. I'll put it out on Twitter as well okay. so that you can find it. And I just want to really thank you for being here. It was an enlightening conversation uh, because... We don't always have that type of perspective that we can compare. And I'm looking forward to more things coming from Boss Media and from Maria Herrera. Thank you, Rich. It was a real pleasure to be here with you. All right, folks. So more to come straight ahead. We're going to have a discussion on human trafficking, what's going on with that. There's a documentary that's out. We're going to talk to the filmmakers of that. We're also going to talk about the war on women. They say there's a war on women. Well, we've got the president of the Women's Republican Club. She's coming up next as well. And more from CPAC right here on Broadcast Row at the Conservative Political Action Committee uh, Conference, excuse me, right here in Washington, D.C.
the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we're on broadcast row here at CPAC, Washington, D.C., and that's a microphone falling down. All sorts of things happening in front of us. It's always good to have people here and see people. And there's a lot of people here. It's a, there's an incredible vibe in the air. It's always fun to be at CPAC. And one of the things that we're talking about today, we were talking about immigration earlier, and I want to continue on the theme, not of immigration, but of what's going on with the Hispanic community, in particular uh, Puerto Rico. And this is a topic that's always near and dear to my heart, but I think it matters to a lot of Americans uh, because there's a lot of implications with Puerto Rico. Uh, given its territorial status. And we're going to get to that, and we have with us today, she's the host of a show that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen and I really, really enjoyed on Facebook. It's called La Premisa Inarticulada, yes. right? The unarticulated premise. Her name is Elizabeth Torres. She is a uh, elected delegate uh, for, give me the official title. I'm a congressional delegate from Puerto Rico. There we go. <laughs> and uh, forgive me for not having that in front of me. But uh, Elizabeth Torres uh, is here at CPAC, and she's a, a fierce advocate for statehood for Puerto Rico. And there's a m bunch of reasons we're going to get into that. But I want to get into a little bit about who she is, why she's here at CPAC, and, and some of the other things that she's been involved with. Because like many people that are effective in what they do, and like many people that are taking on the culture and the political establishment, people come after you, they sue you, they slander you, they say bad things about you. And these are things I think we need to talk about. So Elizabeth Torres, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you, Rich. Um, it's an honor to be here. My pleasure. So we have, we have this, this, uh, this position, right? The position that you have. Yes, I where, was elected. Uh, an elected position yeah. where you are a delegate uh, with the focus of, of dealing with the statehood issue and dealing with Congress. Yes, that's right. Um, in 2020, we held a referendum and 52.5% of the votes went to, you know, their pro-statehood. So right now, I'm a delegate. I'm part of a six-member delegation. I'm the only true conservative in it. And I was the delegate with the most votes. So I'm here at CPAC just to um, connect, just to find like-minded people and just keep fighting for statehood for Puerto Rico from a conservative perspective. So when we look at that, I, I'm, I find this interesting because, again, I, my family is Puerto Rican and uh, we have been rather conservative in, in the way we were brought up. It's, yes. uh, it's ingrained in the culture in many yes. ways. However, you just said you are an elected statehood delegate, uh, congressional delegate, and you're the only conservative. Yes. And, and I find it fascinating that I know how I grew up and I knew, you know, and I've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, the the greeting when I see my grandmother, when I see my aunt, uh, you know, it, it's it's not just hi, it's you know, bendición, bendición and yeah. you know, que Dios te bendiga, and you, you ask for a, yes. a blessing and you receive yes. one in return, and, and it's almost like call and response in church, and yeah. and I, I think these are these are rather conservative um, values or, or traditions, but yet when it comes to politics, there is so much leftism that has been embraced by 
by so many in the Hispanic uh, community, let alone in Puerto Rico. What's your experience, you that live in Puerto Rico and are elected by, by your community, why is that happening? That's happening because there's a lot of money, in, you know, into those kind of ideologies. So in Puerto Rico, um, the political culture is different. There, when we go to the ballot box, we think about statehood. We think about um, a sovereign country or we think about status quo to be a territory. So for us, we don't think about Democrats or Republicans. We just go to the ballot box and the, whoever is pro-statehood, that's our guy. And our political elites, they're, far, they're Marxists, yeah. not the people, because 90% of the people in Puerto Rico are Christian and are conservative. So right now we have a governor, he's a Democrat, and he's governing only with 32.5% of the vote. So that says something. I was the delegate with the most votes. Um, I ran as an independent, as a conservative, and the rest of the delegation, they're part of the political elite. So that also sends a message. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Now, what, what's some of the um, uh, the backlash that you face? Obviously, people elected oh, you because they, yeah. they, they there was a shared value, right? Yes. They said, okay, well, exactly. uh, you know, Delegate Torres uh, believes what we believe. I'm so pro-life, uh, you know. We are pro-life, and um, we value faith. That's part of our essence. That's part of our history. That's who we are. So that's why I was elected. And when we have, again, and I, I get this, and what, what's interesting to me is we see it all the time. It's not specific to Puerto Rico. It's everywhere. Yes. When you, you come to the Bronx or anywhere else, you, you'll find people. It's a global agenda. Right. It's a global agenda. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it was Marxism. Because yeah. that's really what it is. And it I is. guess the question becomes, where where do we lose who we are and who we who we are in our family life, who we are in our neighborhood, who we are in, in El Barrio, and then all of a sudden we become somebody else. We become um, these, these, um, these Marxist thinkers that yeah. really are... are Maybe 50, 60 years you've seen them in Puerto Rico, but you didn't see them before. Yeah, because the left, they control the institutions. They control academia, they're in, in the media. They control, like, they're, the spaces they move in are power spaces. So that's why. So they keep, you know, trying to manipulate everything. And when you go to, to, to academia, for instance, they're all Marxist. Oh, they yeah. control everything. And, now, and when so, you say academia, you're talking about like uh, University of Puerto Rico, and public Mayagüez, schools too. And public schools. I was a teacher for ten years. I, I left the public system because of that. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, about your journey. Uh, you yeah. you started off. Did you start off as a teacher? I was yes. I was a teacher for ten years. Then I became a, a small business owner, and then after that, um, I went to the media as a as a political analyst and commentator, and then. These um, special election came, and I was elected, and here I am. What was your experience like uh, working in the media? Well, as a conservative, it was hard, <laughs> you know. But um, but I'm very, very honest, <laughs> very passionate too. So they respect me. They respect me. Yes. D did you have a lot of obstacles to overcome? Oh yeah, my party, the party I was a member of. Um, is after my head. They want me out of the delegation because they don't want me to talk about COVID restrictions. They don't want me to talk ab about gender ideology. They don't want me to talk about anything. They just want me to be, you know, to be talking about status issues. But 
I'm a conservative. I have to talk about those issues too. That's part of who I am. That's, that's why I was elected. So they took me to court. I won the case and now we're, in, you know, we're still fighting. 100%. You have to yeah. keep fighting. Because yes. if you don't keep fighting, who, who's going to fight, right? Exactly. Uh, Reagan famously said, if, if not now, then when? And if not me, then who? who? Exactly. And, and I think that's uh, an important part of it. I want to talk a little bit about your some of the challenges you faced. And one of them is a court case. Yes. So apparently they didn't like your conservatism. They didn't like that you were pro-statehood. Exactly. And they decided Anti we're going to sue you. Right. Yeah. They didn't like your, your position on on rejecting woke ideology in the classroom and all of this stuff. Yes. And they decided, let's let's try and get her out. They couldn't. You, you got the most votes. Yes. So they said, let's sue you. I have more votes than many mayors, many legislators. So, they, they, you know, this is crazy. This, this, this has been a crazy ride for me. But uh, I think that, that they're wasting their time with me. Well, I'm going to get the scoop from you on this lawsuit because they've tried to <laughs> sue you to get you out of office because yes. they couldn't vote you out of office. And we're going to do that straight ahead. All right, folks, again, this is a special presentation of America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, at Valdez, oh, Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. And uh, we're going to be coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to give us a call, give us a call. 833 Valdez, 833, the number four, and my last name, Valdez, and that is Valdez with an S. And we're talking about Elizabeth Torres. Elizabeth Torres is with us in CPAC. We're here on Broadcast Row. There's a thousand people running around talking, so if you hear the background noise, forgive it, but this is uh, where you get the scoop. You're going to hear it here first. Uh, it's been an amazing week. Lots of great speakers. Uh, former President Trump will be uh, closing out the event tomorrow night, Saturday night. Uh, Saturday afternoon, I should say. So we'll bring you an update on that. And on Monday's show, we'll have some clips from President Trump and his discussion. I'm looking over here to my right, and I see uh, uh, Congressman uh, Bolsonaro from Brazil is there. He's the son of President Bolsonaro. And uh, there's a lot of people here. It's, it's really a great crowd at CPAC, and not the least of which is our guest, Elizabeth Torres. She is an elected statehood delegate, a congressional delegate in Puerto Rico. Elizabeth Torres was elected and has conservative values. And because she's a conservative, because she uh, opposes woke ideology, because she has opinions outside of statehood, they've come after her. As if, you know, you, you get elected for one thing and you can't have an opinion on any other thing. And because she got more votes than anybody else, they've decided we're going to try and sue her and get her out of office. Tell us what's going on, Elizabeth Torres. Well, the problem is that our governor, he's a Democrat, he's a radical, he's a far-left um, Democrat, and he doesn't want me here because I'm an activist, and and they took me to court, they sued me, they want me out of the delegation, and um, they are using the public institutions against me. That's yeah. what they're doing. You know, Stalin had a quote that said, use the system to destroy the system. And, and it seems like that's what they do, right? Exactly. They, they did the same thing to Trump in many ways. Exactly. Where they tried to get him out. Yep. I'm looking at this article here in El Nuevo Dia, elnuevodia.com, and um, 
this report coming out of Washington, though, saying that Judge Anthony Cuevas Ramos of the Court of First Instance in San Juan, Puerto Rico, demanded, uh, determined, excuse me, that the lawsuit filed by Pedro Pierluisi, that's the governor of Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. uh, and his administration seeking to remove Elizabeth Torres as a statehood delegate is a political matter in yes. which the court should not intervene and dismissed the, the uh, lawsuit yesterday. Now, this is, again, from... Uh, April 30th of 2022, so it's about uh, just about a year ago that yeah. this happened. And again, I could have told you this, right? And most people who understand government could have told you this and said, mm -hmm. if somebody's elected and they're voted in, whether it's uh, Congressman George Santos, right? He, right now, he's, he's people saying, you should resign. They're asking him to resign because they can't fire him until the next election. Of course. If you don't like him, don't vote of course. for him, right? And that's, that's the beauty of how this thing works. This is so immoral. Oh, absolutely. To try to sue doing. you out of office? It's illegal. Yeah. It's unconstitutional. It's immoral. It's unethical. Well, let's talk about it. Unpack that. I, I don't need to do the talking. You well, need to that, do the talking. That's, that's about it. You you just read it. They wanted me out because of my, you know, my stances on many things. I'm against Marxist ideology. Um, they're pro-Marxism. So that's a problem. That's the main problem. How did you go about fighting this? I'm sorry? How did you go about fighting it in court? Well, I just said this is a political issue. They're after me. This is, I, you know, this is, they're just Democrats after a Republican <laughs> person or a conservative because in Puerto Rico we don't have that. We don't have a Republican official party. We have a club that's part of another party, right. you know, and then we have Democrats. And um, but we don't have official parties like that. So it's, it's, and there's a lot of single issue voting. It's personal too. They hate me. Right. But they hate you because you're the effective. Left in the island hate me. So for me, it's an honor. Right. You wear it as a badge of honor. <laughs> yes. Now, this, so you won this case, but um, they've decided to appeal the case. Is that yes. right? Tell us about it. So they decided to appeal, and they gave my case to three um, political judges, too. They're part of the, the MPP party. So they're against me, too. And then I went to the Supreme Court. And I'm waiting. And you're waiting. So you currently have a case before yes. the Supreme Court in Puerto Rico. And I'm going to win. And I'm staying here until 2024. <laughs> Good, right, which is when your term expires. Yes. And how, what, what do you think about your prospect for re-election? Well, I don't know if, if there's going to be another delegation like this. Oh. But um, I know that they're doing this also because I probably, I will run. So I'll probably run for another, you know position so that's why they're doing it now given the opportunity you're saying you would you would run again yes yes i'm thinking about it if they keep pushing me i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna want to stay here <laughs> now let me rephrase that question and position it a different way let's say they don't have a delegation again and let's say um that's done do you run for something else yes what would you like to run for maybe senate maybe um resident commissioner could be that sounds really like a good idea. If they want me out, if the left want me out, I'll probably stay here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have to do. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to be here, but um, we have to take over control. We need power in order to make changes. So, What's your advice to somebody that's listening to you right now and says, man, that girl reminds me of me. Yeah. I, I want to be like her. I want to do that too. The left Get hates into me politics too. right now, like yesterday. You need to be there. We need you. We need everybody. We need common people to be here. Why? Because we need to make changes. They, con they, they control every institution, as I said before. So we need to take over control in order to change things. 
in an example band. like yours, you were able to to take the piece of control that you have, your vote as yes. a delegate, and and the influence and the um, the sway that you have. You were able to do that by running a campaign, getting involved, yes. and now you have that piece, and you're inside of the machine. It was a grassroots campaign. Well, tell us about the campaign. I only had seventeen hundred dollars. That was it. And you won with the most votes. And I won. Yeah. How did you do that? They love me because they love me. They trust me. Why do they love you? Because you have nice hair. Because I'm honest. I have nicer I'm hair honest. than you. Look at this hair. I'm honest. They want honest people in politics. That's right. all. It's and it's simple. refreshing this to is people. Not, this is not something super deep or philosophical. This is simple. Integrity. That's all. Outstanding. Now, people that want to get involved, you tell them to get involved. Yes. Be, be, uh, have integrity and just do it. Do it. What do you tell the people that are afraid? That are afraid of, they're not, they, don't, they don't have the courage that you have when the left comes after them and they get sued. They're like, oh, I don't want to get sued. I don't want these people making fun of me. I don't want my family to be embarrassed. I don't want to be involved. What do you say to them? What is faith? When you have God, you cannot be afraid. So you're saying your faith plays a big role in your life? Of course. Of course. Could you have done this without your faith? I don't think so. No. Because they it's try to break crazy. you morally. Yes. It, yes. It, Yes. Internally, right? Yes. It's yeah. hard for my kids. I have kids. And um, and sometimes you think about that, and, and it's kind of sad that they are using our own power, the power of the people, against you. You know? Um, but you have to keep going. Through lies and propaganda. Yeah. It's our liberties. It's our rights. It's our great constitution. We need to fight back. So, Elizabeth Torres, final thought to you. Why is statehood for Puerto Rico so important? Well, first of all, we share the same values. We're pro-life, we're pro-family, and I think that, um, that, as I said before, we need power in order to make changes. And Republicans might have two seats in Puerto Rico, so I think it's good for, for the U.S., and it, it, it's going to be great for us, too. All right, folks, you heard it there first. If people want to learn more about you, more about your campaign, more about uh, Puerto Rico's statehood, where do they go? They go to www.elitorrescongreso.com and right there you have everything you need to www. know. www.eli, that's short for Elizabeth Torres.congreso.com. All right, you heard it here first, everybody. Uh, we're coming back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And um, I'm here at CPAC. We're on broadcast row. You never know who you're going to bump into. I see this spy guy walking by, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He's here with us. Colonel, welcome. I'm not a good spy if you saw me. That sucks. <laughs> Man, I better I better increase my tradecraft so I can, I can move around without being seen. This is this is terrible. This is terrible news. Th this is bad news, sir. <laughs> so I, I'm, the first thing that goes through my head is I'm, I know you know everybody. You're, you know, you're, uh, you're in the know when it comes to what's going on in the conservative movement and in D.C., but 
why is a national security expert, lieutenant colonel, retired at CPAC? That's a great question, and I've actually had to explain this to my friends who don't want to be political. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Rich, Washington, D.C., I know this is going to come a shock to your audience, is political. <laughs> you know? And so uh, I, as much as I appreciate uh, my colleagues and friends who have taken their oath of office, take it very seriously, uh, to get things done in this town, you're going to have to be political. I sat in a room one time with uh, Bud McFarlane, who had to sit with the general. The general, uh, I, can't, I don't want to mention his name, but he basically had said to Bud during this strategy session, I don't want to be political. Bud McFarland, being a retired lieutenant colonel, God rest his soul, as he's passed now, looked over at this general and said, uh, General, you're going to be asked by the President of the United States, what are my options relating to dealing with China regarding the cultural undermining of the United States? Does that sound like a political question? It does, and you're going to have to answer that. So ultimately, if you're here and you're serving any administration trying to do national security, you have to accept and understand that politics are a factor. And if you don't accept that, right. you are naive. And so I look at it, uh, I don't do politics for purposes of uh, achieving goals. I look at it using uh, politics to achieve national security. Because if you don't understand how to deal with politics, politicians will defund you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think people don't realize, and I try to remind them that, because yeah. I worked in government for a little while, and I tell them, politics is the currency in which we traffic. And media is yeah. the other currency. So that's why I'm here, <laughs> because you cannot afford to be politically neutral in a right. time of great stress on the republic. So what are you, what are you looking out for here at TPAC? What are you, uh, well, you know, participating um, in? Uh, I actually uh, enjoy the fact that I can't move more than 10 feet with someone not wanting to stop and talk. <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying that with all due love to the folks who stop and talk because uh, they are very concerned. And so the one thing I, I do enjoy is the fact that you have real Americans saying, is it as bad as it seems? It's like, yeah, it is, but uh, it, there's hope. And because you're here at CPAC and people do have uh, an understanding, that's the first thing. Uh, to be in recovery, of you know, if you're an alcoholic, the first uh, thing you have to do, the first step is to accept there's a problem, right? right? Yeah. Well, there's a problem, <laughs> and people are showing up. And I think that's one of the notable things. And so I enjoy talking to folks and trying to say, look, all is not lost. Uh, politically, we are, uh, I think, coming back. I know I, I do talks. I talk, did a thing at Falkier County here locally. Over 200 people showed up in the middle of January. It was like, holy cow. So What are you talking about? Uh, Stuff. I mean, literally. <laughs> I, I had no agenda. I asked them what they wanted me to say, just come talk to us. And I talked for two and a half hours just kind of laying out how I saw national security overlapping regarding the, the political model we're talking about. That, that is fundamentally, all politics are local. And if you feel that things aren't going in the right direction, you've got to jump in. We've got to jump in. And I think that's where this is the ultimate expression of, of a lot of folks being uh, concerned. Concerned and having purchase on the political process, yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. <clears throat> now, looking at national security news, uh, we were talking a little bit about the situation in Ukraine. Uh, situation, war. I, mean, I don't know what to say anymore, right? It's, a, it's a, you know, there's days I wake up, it's Joe Biden's personal money laundering operation. There's other days you wake up and it's, it's you know, the United States doing the right thing to, to protect the Ukrainians who we who he stripped of their nuclear weapons and, and told them yeah. we would have their back, right? And then there's right. so many angles to this story. Uh, I, 
I'm, I'm not a fan of Putin. There's people like, oh, you right. should love Putin. He's great. He's defending. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a, a good guy per se in this story. I think it's a bunch of bad guys. It is. <laughs> I said this. And we've got to figure out, you know, how to mitigate these bad guys. So I actually get accused anytime I say anything anti-Ukrainian of being pro-Russian. It's like, no, I'm simply laying out the fact that uh, they're cut from the same cloth. Right. <laughs> they both came out of the old Soviet Union. And oligarchs are the system that, that runs our governance. Both countries have oligarchs. I'm sorry, Putin is not a pure president. He has to report to feed people who help fund his lifestyle. Yep. He's a rich man, and it's not because he's uh, getting a big government salary, just saying. Right. Uh, Zelensky, uh, good, good guy, you know, but he's not running the country by himself. He's got all sorts of ministers, who many of which resigned recently because of corruption. There's a hint. And think about this, Rich. Before the war, every major uh, news outlet was constantly screaming about the corruption in Ukraine. But the moment Putin invaded, oh, everything's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it doesn't. So I'm just saying you need, we need to have a balanced, realistic view of what's going on. And yes, I uh, recently when uh, the, the Chinese announced their 12-point peace plan, they did that to take the wind out of the room to make you know, the Biden administration look feckless, as if they needed help, as if they needed help. And then, by the way, the Biden, but, but it, was, it worked. It did. And then, but the Biden administration knew it was coming. They actually were told, "Hey, by the way, they're going to introduce uh, a, a, a peace plan." They did nothing to get ahead of it. Nothing to try to actually do something to prevent it. And so, um, so basically, so basically. <laughs> I do hear that. So anyway, but basically what happened was they're always reacting without regard to the consequences of, of just letting things happen. And now the Chinese are, ones who are the ones seen as the adults in the room. They, right. they did that purposely. But that's my point. So if I were Biden, I would go back to the very point you just said. We, the United States, uh, encouraged at, through the Budapest Accords in 1993 or four, I can't remember which year it was, for the Ukrainians to give up all their nuclear weapons. We did that, right. and with the guarantee of territorial integrity. Have you ever heard Biden say that once? It's like, never. Hey, never. We need to look at this from this perspective. We were part of that. But at the same time, Putin is paranoid, and he said, "I'm going to put the old Soviet Union back together." We've known this, and Obama was very dismissive, right? Remember that? Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney said during the debate, uh, "Russia is one of our the biggest JV challenges. team." Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and then and, and, by, and Obama said uh, the 1980s wants its foreign policy right, back. Right, right, that was it. <laughs> Remember that? I do. But we who were studying this said, no, Putin's serious. He's walking up to this. He's going to do something because it did not match the political narrative that that administration wanted. Right. It was ignored. And now here we are, all the chaos, all the different overlapping issues. This is, to me, analogous to the conditions before World War I. Everybody right. has agendas. Everybody has issues. The biggest risk to peace is miscalculation. We're talking foreign policy, national security here at CPAC. We're on Radio Row. If you hear somebody shredding a, an electric guitar in the background, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. Our guest is Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tony Schaefer, retired. He's here. He's also the president of the London uh, P Policy Foundation. And we're going to continue our discussion with him straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, we're here continuing our coverage of CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference in Washington, D.C. We're on Radio Row, and uh, you never know who's going to walk by and you grab. I see here retired spy Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer is passing by, and I'm thinking, why do we have you here? But, you know, he's explaining to us that, you know, everything uh, we traffic in the currency of politics around here. And uh, Colonel Schaefer, we're talking about, you know, uh, not only the, the nefarious nature of Putin and the rest of these guys and foreign policy, but overall uh, the, the big snapshot of things. And, uh, you know, I, I like to give the listeners a little bit of a bird's eye view of how things are. And uh, at my, um, I don't know, it was breakfast, lunch yesterday, I bumped into some old friends who happened to be old friends of yours. And uh, lots of discussion about lots of great spy stories. And I thought this would make great conversation. Of course, we have to change the names and places, of course. And, you know, and stamp classified on it and, and park it next to your Corvette. But tell us some <laughs> stuff that you can't tell us. <laughs> well, the best way to, I think, pick up on it easily, we talked about this a little bit, is the, la- the book I did called The Last Line. It was yes. the, my latest novel. Uh, Bill Keith and I wrote it, and uh, basically, DOD gets really upset if I talk about real events. So what we did is we took real events that happened in the Pacific Ocean and, you know, that region, we'll just leave it at that, and we put them in Mexico. And the tagline for the book is, the drug war is about to become a real war, which we wrote 10 years ago, and by gosh, by golly, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Wow. You know, imagine that. And we took some of the experience I actually uh, did during the 90s, I was actually the uh, clandestine advisor to the, the senior intelligence officer during the, from 92 to 98. And we were doing transit zone uh, intercepts of drugs coming out of, of Colombia, Peru, and Latin America. So that we kind of combined with other things and turned it, turned it into the last line. So I think people would like, it, it reads like uh, any other action guy novel, high reviews. Uh, I think people enjoy it. We want to do a follow-up to it at some point. As a matter of fact, uh, my friend Jim Woolsey wants to maybe look at being the co-author for the next one, but we want to continue to kind of give people a sense of what really goes on without damaging things really going on, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah. hypothetically speaking, let's say yeah. I were one of the operatives, let's right? Let's say that, yes. And if I was a spy and, and I did a job, and I did the job well, yeah. but I decided to go back and do more. Yeah. Um, how would that fit into one of these books? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, it's like virginity. Once you've broken your cover, you're not going back. And uh, some of us, it's interesting because I don't know if your audience knows this. I actually was called back to do the Berg doll recovery. I got a call out of the blue one. So we day. can blame you for that. So, well, <laughs> I didn't want to do it, but you know, I have served with every, every, every administration since Carter. I actually worked for Carter as a young guy at the, at the, at the Portuguese, at the American embassy in Lisbon. Wow. Back in 70, 78, 79. Yeah, man, where's the time I was gone? born in 78. Is that right? Well, I was out getting, uh, a, a, a sweater, a fisherman sweater, and a vase for Zygmunt Brzezinski as part of the... Mika's the, dad. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Boy, that, that's circling a square, isn't it? A bad, a bad square. <laughs> anyway, no, I was asked to come back and help uh, create a, a negotiation space with Hamid Gul, who was the father of the Taliban and ISI. And so my job, to make a long story very short, and this is public record now, was to negotiate clandestinely to create essentially a a path to bring Bergdahl back by paying off the ISI. That was my job. And we almost did it, except a guy named Barack Obama decided, no, I'm going to trade the five guys in Whitmo, the five Taliban leaders, for Bergdahl. Thanks for the 
thanks for creating the option, but we're not going to use it. Just saying. So, so we, we're like the mafia, Rich. We never retire. We just get pulled back, even if our cover's blown, you know, so. What's one of your favorite crazy stories? Oh, man, oh, man, where do I begin? So in Afghanistan, one of the things we talked about in Darkheart is that we would have to go, I would support a three-letter agency's mission, which I can't mention. It's not CIA. And we would have to run from, from Bagram to Kabul. And we were running around in Toyota 4x4s, Tacomas, essentially, uh, Hiluxes. <laughs> and because they were unarmored, our only defense was to run these things on the old Russian road at 100 miles an hour. Hoping you don't get shot. Or blown up, because the idea is if they're going to do an IED, you're moving so fast they, can, they will have to misestimate. So doing that and uh, wow. being actually almost killed during an ambush where we were coming in. This is in Darkheart, by the way. We were coming into Bagram. And we were, they set off the IED too early. And so the kill zone missed us. And yet, and there we were in a crowd of people, all the people running around, around the vehicles. We could see the Taliban guys getting ready to shoot us up and shoot us, but they couldn't shoot us because of the crowd. So that was pretty hairy, too. So that's pretty, you know, wild. And my air assault with the Rangers, that was pretty darn wild, too. You know, we who are, my final exercise was in uh, San Juan. And uh, my job after, wow. yeah, I, I was writing contact reports at the Ramada, uh, drinking pina coladas. <laughs> so we who are trained to drink pina coladas and write reports, <laughs> being on our assaults is a little bit different for us. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I always look back finally with, on my air assault with the Rangers, linking up with my guys in the middle of a hot LZ. So oh, like that's, that. yeah. that's terrific. Now, in your, in your uh, retirement, that you, you focus on policy and you're on TV and you're doing all these things. What other fun stuff do you get to do? Well, you know, um, I'm actually kind of a geek. I love sci-fi. I actually uh, follow Next Generation, uh, not Picard. Picard sucks, just saying. <laughs> not, not that, you know. But um, a lot of my friends love sci-fi. We actually uh, go out, go hiking. I love cigars. You know, if you come down to where I live, we'll have cigars on my porch. Cool. You know? But no, I, I, a lot of the things have to do with just uh, fitness, you know, but I love sci-fi. Battlestar Galactica. That's it. You don't you don't feed that that inner need to to do your spy stuff anymore. Well, I you know it's interesting you say because I get pulled back often enough to do stuff that ah. I don't feel, feel the need to actually do much. No, I, oh I'm a member, I'm still a member of law enforcement too. Uh, I work for Sheriff Dave Decatur in Stafford County, Virginia, as his Homeland Security Advisor. I'm his representative on the NYPD's Counterterrorism Task Force. As a matter of fact, as soon as I'm done here, I got to go do something relating to that. And I'll be meeting with them on Monday. And, and in that role, I actually get to advise a number of organizations and senior leaders on, on intelligence issues. So while I don't get to go out and carry a gun and shoot bad guys, it's still kind of fun at times, just saying. Yeah, folks, we're, we're here with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer uh, about to wrap up in CPAC. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez, with an S on all of the social media. And uh, 
We're here at CPAC on Radio Row. We're sitting with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He's been on the show a number of times, and he's always an expert on things. And uh, got to know him a little bit better. He's got excellent stories. Uh, really, the, the ones I can talk yeah, about. Yeah, the ones, the ones that he doesn't talk about are even better. <laughs> But uh, I want to make sure he's referenced a couple of books, his book, uh, The Last Line, his book, Dark Heart. I want to make sure you know how to get those books, where to get those books. Colonel, tell them where they go. So, yeah, Dark Heart is my memoir from Afghanistan. Uh, it was also called The Path to Victory. Hint, they didn't take the path. Just saying. <laughs> I didn't take it. Anyway, so fail. It's, it's available on Amazon. And The Last Line, as I mentioned, it's all about my rambunctious operations in, in another part of the world that we put in Mexico and turn into a, ramp, a, a, a rambunctious novel. And let me say a, a, a note about you, Rich. You know, I used to be on with your your uh, friend and mentor, I guess, uh, Jim Bohannon. I, I can't think of a better guy to be taking oh, his place. So thank you. I, I spent a lot of time listening to him, and, and God bless you for uh, stepping you. up and jumping in because he had a great audience, and I, I think his audience is in good hands with you. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you. you. So far, so good, I think. <laughs> That's I good. think. It's always good. Now, uh, when people want to f- support what you're doing uh, with, uh, whether it's the L- London uh, Institute or, or otherwise, what's the best place to follow well, you and catch you? L- yeah, LondonCenter.org. Just go. It's, it just sounds like it's spelled like our way, not the British way. Yeah. And then uh, I'm, we're creating something called Project Sentinel, ProjectSentinel.net, where we're actually looking at how to return, this is going to be novel, return uh, national security and our federal bureaucracy uh, to live within the Constitution and, and principles created by the Founding Fathers. What a novel idea, right? Yeah. Support the Bill of Rights, stay out of people's lives, let them live and be free like the, the Founding Fathers wanted. So we're working on that next. So. Liberty. Liberty. Awesome. All right, so that's LondonCenter.org. You can get the books, The uh, Dark Heart or The Last, Last Line. line. Uh, I'm going to get a couple of copies of those because uh, I, I read so many books, and I don't read them all because for work you read stuff and you interview people or whatever, but I'm going to get these just because, you know, I, wa- I want to get the insight. So yeah. when I see you next time, I can say, so I read this. <laughs> now, so I know what I'm talking yeah, about. Right, no, no. And I'm going to start guessing who the people are, you know, trying to put the pieces together. And, of course, you won't, you won't say anything. Maybe. But, <laughs> I could be bribed, you know. We all got a price, you know. All right. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, always a pleasure to have you here. I'm looking forward to having you back. Uh, you, you always have such a unique perspective because even though you're a former military guy, I think your 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 spy background really helps. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, Thanks, because Rich. it really it adds a level of, um, it's like having a conspiracy theorist friend yeah. of yours that, you know, looks at the news, you watch the same news, and I go, wow, that sucks. And they go, no, that's because this, 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 and this. You go, oh, well, you might have a point there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you paid for it. Thank you for paying for my career. So it was a, it was a, it was a great ride. <laughs> Amen to that. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And this is a special presentation of America at Night, where I get to look at pretty blonde girls in CPAC. And uh, we have a couple of guests here that we're going to get into that in a moment. I want to share a couple of headlines with you because we've got this interesting headline here. CNN has the lowest ratings they've had in a decade. Here's another beauty. BLM rioters to receive $6 million because the police didn't wear face masks. I was rioting, I swear. How much do I get? And then we've got an FBI whistleblower claiming that the agency forced him to increase his domestic terrorism numbers. I'm guessing uh, that's not true. Oh, and here's a good one. Shark Tank's Kevin O'Leary. He says that AOC All Out Crazy is great at killing jobs, many of them in blue states. And he says these are uninvestable states. Now, there's a couple of stories that I wanted to share with you. Some were from a few weeks ago during the Super Bowl and some are from as recent as yesterday where uh, there's a bunch of uh, crackdowns on human trafficking. And this is a topic that we like to keep our finger on the pulse of here at America at Night because it's an important issue. But in particular, uh, I want to talk about A, a documentary, or maybe A, the human trafficking arrests, and B, this documentary uh, from my friends. And I want to introduce them right now. Um, Let's start off with the name of your organization. Yes, we are the Patriot Chicks. I am Jamie Silvestri, and this is... I'm Vicky Richter from Germany. So, yeah, Vicky Richter and Jamie Silvestri, have, uh, they have a documentary they've produced on human trafficking, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But uh, while we were just meeting each other for, to do this segment, uh, they were telling me about some undercover work they did where they worked with law enforcement during the Super Bowl and were texting uh, alleged predators and enticing them to do X, Y, and Z, and uh, it led to some arrests. Tell us about it. So um, we were undercover for our documentary, The Untold Truth, and we were there with uh, Wets for Child Rescue. It's a, a human anti-human trafficking organization uh, founded by Craig Sawyer, a former SEAL. And he was, uh, he's, he was working with law enforcement, and I had the chance to go with them. And I had the uh, job to document it, and also I was the texter uh, with a pedophile. So I went into a Telegram chat in a Telegram group, and I was uh, pretending to be a 15-year-old girl, and I was texting with over 60 guys. And we are try- uh, we tried them to force them to um, criminalize themselves with saying, yes, I'm going to meet you up and have a sexual relationship with you, and I know that you are 15. And this needed to five arrests. Wow. Now, you obviously, you're, you're politically active. You're from Germany, Ms. Richter, but you have a background in the military. Yes, I um, served eight and a half years in the Bundeswehr. I did... Um, so in America, you call it special operations. We say in Germany, special forces. I was psyops, a psyops officer, and we. And did, that's psychological operations. Yes, yeah, psychological warfare. Yes. That's uh, 
This is something I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to. They don't realize that psychological warfare is a real thing. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's a popular thing. Um, tell us a little bit about some of that work. So, um, PSYOPs is actually um, an old thing. Even Hitler did it in, in well, the Second World War. And um, America does it still. And um, I, I did it when I was serving for the German military. And when I um, saw it that the German government and all governments in the world did it with their um, with their citizens since COVID. COVID is a huge psyops operation and it works with fear. So um, how can you get a population doing what you want? You, you create chaos, like a war, or you create chaos with a pandemic. And because people are don't really fear anything but death. Mm -hmm. So they bring something what uh, they have to fear about, and that was COVID. Even uh, you didn't die on it when you uh, just listened to the real science, but uh, COVID was a virus with the best um, PR management, what I ever have seen. So they make this whole idea of, are you going to die on that? So they could control um, the whole world about minimum two years. And wow. I got very active in Germany in 2020 and 2021, and that brought me on a hit list of the Antifa, and uh, I, I'm not the, no, um, the most liked person in Germany anymore from the German government. <laughs> That's uh, that doesn't surprise me. No. I mean, not for anything personal. You're you're charming, but uh, when you're calling out their BS and you're saying no, this is a psychological operation. Yeah. I think they're not going to like you. No. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the, the result. I know you said there were five people arrested and you were texting them back and forth. How did you end up in a, in a situation where you were doing this type of work? So um, I'm very active and actually Jamie and I, we are both very active against human trafficking. I was at the border now 19 times, more than your president ever was at the border, I guess. <laughs> and um, yeah, I will, I'm always um, for exposing what's going on at the border or what is happening at human trafficking. And um, I met Craig Sawyer and he invited me to, uh, and said, hey, you want to do a documentary about human trafficking and the Super Bowl? Please come with us and see what our work is. And Jamie does a lot of research and uh, exposing what's happening in New York. And yes, that's why we ended up at, at the Super Bowl in Arizona. And the thing is what made us both very um, sad is there are so many border events talking about how the border crisis increases, but nobody is talking about the Super Bowl, which is in a border state in Phoenix this year, while we have the biggest border crisis and legal coming to your country. Right, right. It's an Excellent absolute point. invasion. And then on top of it, not only is it the Super Bowl, but it's every major sporting event that happens. And it's not just happening in the U.S. And when people hear about human trafficking, a lot of times they think it's only sex trafficking women and children. A lot of times people don't realize, for example, on Long Island, when you go to Home Depot and see 150 people standing outside, there are contractors that I've been talking with who are saying, hey, you know, I need a guy to come put a fence in. And when they show up, they have guys coming up to the car saying, hey, you're going to pay them $200 a day and you're going to be buying them lunch. Why do they need someone coming out of a car if individuals standing outside are getting that work for themselves? Those individuals are being labor trafficked. And when wow. people don't realize that this, this human trafficking isn't just one particular aspect, there's right. multiple angles to it. It's men, women, and children who are all being impacted. And unfortunately, a lot of major legacy media, they just keep spinning it in a way where it's just 
a conspiracy theory that's happening only at the southern border. It's happening everywhere in every state. And until people are aware of what this modern day slavery is, we can't really do much to stop it. Wow. All right, everybody, we're on with the Patriot Chicks, and uh, they have a really cool square business card that has a QR on the back. I don't know what the website is. Tell people what the website is. The website is thepatriotchicks.com. You can check out our docu-series on there. It's, you can click right on the Untold Truth tab. We have three of the episodes out right now. They're all under 20 minutes, so it really only takes people less than 20 minutes of their time to hear from law enforcement who's actually worked with this boots on the ground, to hear from NGOs who for themselves are saying that they're not hosting individuals overnight when there's footage showing quite the opposite, and whistleblowers from HHS who are telling you how your taxpayer dollars are going towards trafficking people all across the country on your dime. Yeah. Folks, again, we're on with the Patriot Chicks, uh, Miss Silvestri, Miss Richter. We're coming right back to you straight ahead. We're going to talk about a documentary that they've made. And uh, I'm interested in learning more about it because uh, this is, again, I, and I talk about this stuff all the time, but... I constantly learn something new, and, and there's so many layers. It's like an onion when you start peeling this stuff back. So I think it's a great topic, and we're going to continue straight ahead. Make sure you get at us uh, on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. I'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. In live late night radio, six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, I'm here with uh, the lovely Patriot Chicks, and I'm telling you, there's no war on women at CPAC. I mean, I, I don't think I could, I could hire somebody to, to, to be a guy to get it. And every interview I've done so far has been with women. There's so many women here. I highly recommend it. Anyway, uh, we're here with Miss Richter, Miss Silvestri. We're really enjoy, I'm enjoying myself. And it's a great topic. They have a documentary they've made. Tell us about the documentary. So it's called The Untold Truth. It's a seven-part series. We have the first three episodes out now. After the second episode came out, YouTube decided to shadow ban it. We went from having a pretty decent amount of views on the first one for something that we just put out. And the next thing you know, a day later, it's showing that both videos have only 408 views while the back-end data is showing something different. And then the next day, the back-end data is showing 408 views as people are hitting us up telling us they've been watching it and there's been no uptick in what's going on. And it's not just people giving you lip service. They're telling you about what they saw in what they watched. They actually watched these episodes and that censorship is showing how this is a topic that clearly we're over the target because they don't want us talking about it. They don't want the message getting out there. And in my own opinion here, we have the alleged trafficker in chief in the office right now. So not really shocked that this is a message <laughs> that they don't want getting out there. Ms. Richter, um, it's interesting. Uh, I've, I've never used social media in Germany, uh, but um, do you experience the same type of uh, censorship there oh, yes. as we do here? So um, I was very active in the freedom movement while um, the lockdowns were, and I had a YouTube channel, and I got um, my YouTube channel got deleted with uh, 30,000 followers for uh, reporting about what's going on in all Europe and on live stream at the protests. So I went from every capital uh, in Europe joining the protests against the mandates. I, and this is what the global government didn't want it to have because uh, w when we show people that it's not only a minority who's uh, standing up, it's a majority, 
they gonna fight you and how do we gonna fight you they try to silence you and I didn't let me silence so I just opened up uh, three or four more YouTube channels over and over again and then I got on a hit list from the Antifa oh wow how did that go uh, it, it went like that, that I had to leave Germany in May of 2021 because wow. they threatened my daughter. She's on the hit list too, and she was 11. And then I had to go to Spain, and uh, I got an invitation to interview Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, 2021. And after that, I came to America, and I started um, boots-on-the-ground journalism about human trafficking at the border. And... After we published the second episode of our documentary and somebody tried to get into my house in Florida wow. and they poisoned my dogs. Are they okay, the dogs? The dogs are okay now, but my daughter wow. and my mother were very, very afraid and me too. And that's why we had to relocate it. Patriotism and activism comes at a price. Yes. Sadly. I'm very proud to do that and I would ever, I would do it ever again, like join, uh, joining the military, serving my country. I think that's the most uh, that's the greatest thing what you can do is serving your country and showing um, the globalists who want to destroy nationalism and patriotism that they can go wherever they want i don't say the f word <laughs> <laughs> let me remind everybody we're on with the patriot chicks you can check them out at uh, thepatriotchicks.com and uh miss silvestri miss richter Tell me a little bit about uh, the um, the reception that you've received from releasing the uh, seven-part series. So far, everyone's had a pretty positive response. One of the things we do hear a lot, specifically at CPAC so far, is, oh, we already heard of a group doing this. I don't really care if you hear seven groups doing it. Not enough people know about it. Not enough people understand all the aspects and all the angles about how, for example, the defund the police conversation is actually really impacting people who are victims of this horrific modern-day slavery. And when you're talking about defunding the police, for example, you're talking about not the boots on the ground guys going. You're talking about your detectives being kicked out. You're talking about your anti-trafficking units being shut down. And when we don't have people sitting there able to investigate this the way that Vicky was doing it at the Super Bowl, reaching out in all these groups, that's what that's what units are being disbanded when you have politicians out there telling you, oh, yeah, you know what, we're just going to defund the police. That's what they're doing. That's who they're taking away. They're taking away the people who are really making the impact in this type of issue. And if there are seven groups talking about the same thing, I hope they're each reaching seven million people. And I hope those seven million people are going out of the way to tell at least two other people and having their little Tupperware party conversations trying to make the thing happen. Because we all, like, it's not a competition. It's the message. I don't care whose name is bigger in the field discussing this. What I care about is that I now know in New York, there's our company there that people know about. We're doing this docu-series. We're promoting it at whatever cost it takes. Vicky's where she's at doing exactly the same thing, and we get to come out here and do that. And if there's another group from Texas doing it, phenomenal. I want to link up with them. I want to go down there, and I want to help them get their message out there. It's not a competition about who's doing it better. It's a competition of just getting the message out. That's what we all need to do. And the big thing is, so we were at the Super Bowl interviewing um, attendees, fans, and we asked them, how uh, educated do you feel about this topic? And they said, yeah, we see a little bit the billboards, but I don't really know uh, what's really going on. And then we asked, okay, did you know that, that uh, human trafficking is the second biggest crime business in the U.S.? They make over $5 million, or billion. I think it's like $300 million a day. Yeah. Yep. 300 million a day between the human trafficking wow. and the drug trafficking coming in. And when you put one predator into uh, custody, when you put 
one pedophile into a jail, you save 70 children. Seven wow. zero children for putting one, one creepy person into a jail. Yeah, I know it's hard to find the, the right words yep. for these uh, subhuman type of people. Uh, folks, we are on with the Politichicks, and um, remind everybody where they can find this documentary and uh, how they can view it. They can go to thepatriotchicks.com. You click on the Untold Truth tab, and you will be able to find all the episodes. And again, they're all under 20 minutes. It really doesn't take that much time. And you can hear from everybody who has either worked in the experience picking up these creepies, or you can talk to, or you can hear from, you can see the footage. We're not trying to put our opinions in it. It's very simple. Here are the people who have experienced it. Here's the footage that's been collected. Make your own opinion. I don't care if you think the same way I think. I don't need that. She doesn't need that. We're not here for that. We don't need an echo chamber. What we need is people to see what the truth is, to make your own choices. And when you start seeing what some, what, what some of your donations are going to or what your taxpayer money is going to, you're going to start putting that pressure on your, your sitting politicians who are keeping their mouth shut and not doing anything or telling you that this is a non-issue. It's not a non-issue. If you are getting my taxpayer dollars, you are going to be sitting there making sure that modern-day slavery isn't happening. We are humans. We should not be enabling this type of behavior. Outstanding. Um, Vicki Richter, Jamie Silvestri, I want to thank you guys for being here because this is, uh, like you said, it's, a, it's an important topic and one that I think most people care Most people realize that there's a problem. I think just most people don't realize the severity of it. And until you actually do the work, and um, I don't do this work, but I interview people sometimes. And I, I interviewed a guy who was kidnapped at four years old and held on what he called a pedophile farm until he was 16, a dozen years, getting raped over and over and over. And then they let him go at 16. And uh, he went on to do great things with his life. But just to think, you know, I never went through that. You didn't go through that. It's, it's amazing to know there are people that have gone through that. And uh, it's just heartbreaking, you know, when you hear that that's happening. And this is a guy, mm -hmm. not a girl. I think a lot of times people think this is happening just to women. This is happening to everybody. Mm -hmm. But you said labor trafficking. There's so many people getting trafficked and getting pimped out in different ways. And it's, uh, it's shocking. So I applaud you guys for the work that you're doing. And I'm, I thank you for highlighting it. And one more time with the website. ThePatriotChicks.com. Click on the Untold Truth tab, and you will be able to see all the episodes there. And thank you so much for having us on. You bet. And what's the uh, social media? Social media is... Um, she has to say that because of my accent. Sometimes we <laughs> don't have to say that. The Chicks. At Find The Patriot Chicks. Yep, everywhere. Uh, everywhere. everywhere you got it. All I'm right. to keep it small and simple. <laughs> Vicki Richter, Jamie Silvestri, uh, thank you for joining us there, the Patriot Chicks. I am Rich Valdez. More to come straight ahead.
All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. It's a special presentation of America at Night here at CPAC. I'm staring at my buddy Jen Kearns. I see her over there in the background like paparazzi. Jen Kearns, you know her. She's super famous. Anyway, uh, I have a guest with us. She is the president of the National Federation of Republican Women. Her name is Eileen Subject, and she's going to discuss a few things with us. But I, first, I want to welcome her to the program. Madam President, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me tonight. It's my pleasure. So let's talk about this, right? So you're here and we constantly hear about this war on women. It's the Republicans and their war on women. But it's not true. It's not true. It seems like there are, there's lots of women that want to be involved in the Republican Party. Tell us all about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have um, a membership of 65,000 women nationwide. And they're anywhere from 18 to in their 90s. And um, there's... No, there's no war on women, but there are women that are making war on bad things that are happening in our country and working hard as activists. Our organization works to educate and empower women in the political realm, and they work hard at it. They're all volunteers. In fact, the last year, first and second um, quarter of the campaigns, they had, we put out 168 million dollars. If you take our volunteer hours for campaigns and what we did, it works out to 168 million dollars. That's what you're getting from the Republican women and we're working hard. We had a campaign school last year and we got started with that. We work on public relations and then we went into working on the campaigns. We supported these campaigns and held Zoom meetings, uh, supported candidates like Yesley Vega, Jen Kiggins. We also supported the guys and our women from across the nation got on phone apps and made those phone calls. And that is so effective today. That's the way that you're going to win campaigns. So that's what our Republican women are doing. Let's talk about that, because I think that type of organizing is so important right now, especially post-COVID, where we learned we could do all sorts of things at home. Mm -hmm. right? what, what, how, how did you uh, organize it, and what was the uh, response you got from people when you said, hey, we can do some grassroots campaigning without going into the campaign office. We could do it right from an app on your phone. Well, we had a couple women that on our campaign committee that had that vision, and I said, yes, let's go for it. And once these ladies got the training, and we provided the training, which was virtual, they didn't have to go out, drive anywhere at night. They just got in and uh, got on their Zoom and their computers and learned how to make these phone calls. Off, And ladies of all ages are doing this. So that's how we organized it. And we just have the greatest volunteers in the world. Yeah, well, you can't get anywhere without great volunteers. We're on with uh, Eileen Subject. She's president of the National Federation of Republican Women here at CPAC. And uh, my question right now is, what is the, um, I guess, the number one focus uh, when it comes to organizing? What's the big issue that everybody's coalescing, uh, coalescing around in terms of Republican women? You mean like legislative issues? Sure. Okay. So we choose some of the legislative issues because we can't do everything. We don't want to spread ourselves right. too thin. So as women, the issue of human trafficking is very important to us. And the border crisis and the fentanyl and those things all go together. So we're working on those issues. We're supporting uh, Republican initiatives and legislation. And we organize our ladies not only to make these phone calls to get out the candidates, but also when there's an important bill they need to support, they're on the phone talking to their congressmen and their senators and emailing them 
and pinging them mm -hmm. all the time. And that's how you get it done. And women know that. They know that you have to just keep at it. So human trafficking, the fentanyl, those are top issues and the border. And also education. What's happening in education today? Tell us about it. And it's been, oh my gosh. So when I got started in politics, there were some really bad things happening in education. And that's how I got, one of the ways I got into politics. And I was going to school board meetings, but it's, it was nothing compared to what is going, now, going on now with the transgender, mm -hmm. the critical race theory. So our Republican women are organized and um, we're encouraging them to get out and run for school board. What type of success or, or reaction are you getting from people when you say, hey, you should run for school board? Well, what you have to do with women, it takes even more time than it does for a man to get women to run. There's just something about the men, they're really confident, and you ask them a few times, and they're ready to run for office. So with the women, we have a campaign schools. And like I said, our campaign schools are virtual, or you can go in to the state and and... We just talk to these women and we have the campaign schools and we continue to encourage them. We, we encourage our members to be asking others. One of the first things we did the beginning of the year is we had a candidate recruitment school. And we were teaching our women how to ask other women to run or how to step up and run yourself. So that's, that's how you, you gotta work it. You just have to keep doing it, keep talking it up. Yeah, I think that, that part of it is key. And I want to get to some of the other topics that you mentioned, but I also want to get your reaction to some of the women that are not Republicans, like uh, Kamala Harris and, and the, the rhetoric that we get out of her. I feel it's so empty where she talks about women this and women that, but I don't see anything really helping women from the Biden uh, administration. Do you? No, I don't. And, you know, that's another thing about the Republican women in our organization. Not only are we campaigning and working on legislation, but we also have local charters in our communities, and we have a Caring for America program. And, the, and we reach out into the community with projects that fit that community, and it's an excellent way to reach out to women that may not be Republican, but to reach out and talk about, you know... It, Sometimes when you talk about, not you don't, you don't come off and say, I'm a Republican, but you talk about what you believe in. Right, issues. Issues. Values. And they go, wow, I agree with that. And that's how you can start to bring women in. But I agree, there's a lot of emptiness with the Democrat women. I'm sorry, and especially with our vice president. It's very, it's very, very sad. Yeah, Kamala Harris on this program, I like to call her Que Mala Eres, which means how bad <laughs> she is in Spanish. <laughs> vice President Que Mala Eres, if you're listening, you're invited to come on the show. Anyway, uh, we're on with Eileen Subject. She's uh, president of the National Federation of Republican Women. We're discussing uh, fentanyl, the border, human trafficking, and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
Welcome back, America. Rich Valdez. Hola, mi amigos. And we're still here. We're having this conversation about there's a purported war on women, yet I've done nothing but interview women all day. Every single guest I've had today has been a woman. There's no war on women at CPAC, I can tell you. And this is our special coverage of CPAC right here in D.C., special edition of America at Night with Rich Valdez and our guest, Eileen Subject. She's the president of the National Federation of Republican Women. And uh, we, we talked a little bit earlier about human trafficking. And I know that's an, an issue that you guys are addressing. It's obviously a, a, an issue that's very prevalent at our southern border, which seems to be wide open with the amount of immigration we had. We just had a talk with an immigration attorney, and uh, she had a lot of very uh, forceful things to say in her critique of the Biden administration. And uh, what type of uh, work are you doing around the area of human trafficking? Well, like I said, we have our local charters, and so there are different things that they can do. And then at the state level, if there's legislation, then we are supporting that legislation to make a difference. And then at the national level, supporting legislation. So that's what we're doing. And then we organize our women so they can contact their legislators and either support or encourage them to have some legislation for human trafficking and dealing with the issue. How do you go about uh, getting support for that when you're trying to find these grassroots uh, people? Uh, do you find that this is an issue most people say, sure, sign me up, I'm happy to help? Or is it an issue where people say, wow, I didn't know that was really happening? I think you get both of that. You know, uh, There's still people out there that just really don't understand how horrible it is. I personally, you know, I, I understood about human trafficking, but now some of the stories that I've heard are just so appalling. I had no idea. It's so yeah, it's, a, it's an educating thing. You need to be educating. It's a heartbreaking thing. The more it's you learn so about heartbreak. it, it is awful. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard some crazy stories about you know moms giving their young daughters Plan B abortion pills because they're expecting that they'll likely get raped along the way. And reports coming out that a third of the women that come across the border do so either unwillingly or under some sort of duress, and a third of them are, are sexually assaulted. And yeah. it, this is, you know, I have, I'm a dad of two girls, and I hear stories like that, and my heart breaks. I just think, you know, where are their dads? And, you know, like, how bad do things have to be to, to be in a situation like that? And, and to think, okay, I get it. There's, there's a high illiteracy rate in certain places uh, south of the border. But a lot of these people don't even come from south of the border. They're coming from Thailand, Indonesia, you know, Jakarta. I mean, it's all over the place. And it, it's, uh, it's just fascinating to me that we have this problem, which in my opinion, is a, it's a human rights issue. It's a humanitarian issue. And it goes totally um, unaddressed. Mm -hmm. And when we have a woman, the, the vice president, when she decides to address it, she says things like, we have to address the root cause and, <laughs> in the Northern Triangle. They're not dying in the Northern Triangle. They're dying on our border. Yes. Right? That's where we, we have to do that. So, you know, when you're, when you're putting these teams together, your local chapters, and you're out there doing this grassroots work, um, are, you, are you finding that you're achieving the success that you'd like to have with respect to, to getting things done? Yeah, I think we are. And, and I think that the, the uh, success is because we have our local community organizations working, and then we have our state organizations and then our national. You know, the human trafficking, the other issue about that I just want to say that's so heartbreaking is once it's happened, repairing the hearts of these women that have been so abused. Not just women, men. And men. 
Yeah. And I know that's your angle. But yeah. I, I no, just, no. Again, and I we're recently, not just for the women. I mean, there's little boys that are, you know, been drawn into that as well. And I don't, I don't want to steal is, time from you. I'm going to share a story with you, though. Yeah. I met a guy who was a lawyer, and he was the top fundraiser for the California Democrat Party. But he was also kidnapped at four years old and was held captive till he was 16 on a pedophile farm. Mexican guy. Um, and, and it was an amazing story. And he ended up going to law school and now he fights against human trafficking. And, and we don't agree on anything politically, but I had him as a guest on the show and we agreed about everything with respect to human trafficking and how bad it is. And so when you hear these stories, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear that they're stealing small children and keeping them for more than a decade as a captive to, to pimp out to other people that like to abuse children. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. It is crazy. And so what do you do with those souls that have been so abused? How do they come back from that? And not only that, but I mean, with human trafficking, you hear about um, the trafficked women and men that have to hide. And they're scared to death that they're going to be brought back into it. Yeah, that's, that's a very challenging time. Now, in addition to human trafficking, you mentioned um, you, you also do some work related to fentanyl. Tell us about that. Well, a couple years ago, that was something that was really important when Trump was uh, in office. And I think you re probably recall that uh, Melania Trump, that was one of the things that was important to her was the whole fentanyl crisis. So we're just supportive of any type of legislation that is coming through and letting our um, congressmen know and then pushing for legislation if, if it isn't happening. But what we really need to do is we've got to secure those borders if we're going to deal, deal with this fentanyl crisis. And that is so heartbreaking, too. I just I can't believe how many cases and how many deaths have occurred. And it's destroying families. It's awful. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a big problem. And again, one that I think is going either unaddressed or underaddressed. And, you know, I try to be fair and not blame just the current administration for everything that's going on because there's, there's other facets uh, to life. But when you see a, a real disregard like we do from the from the current White House, you can't turn a blind eye to, to their ignoring of the issues, because I think that would be reckless and irresponsible. Anyway, yeah. let me remind everybody, we're on with Eileen Subject. Uh, she's president of the National Federation of Republican Women. Straight ahead, we're going to talk a little bit about how a nice girl like her got involved in this stuff to begin with. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. We're at CPAC. We're on Radio Row uh, with a bunch of broadcasters. I wish you could see what's going on here. I mean, it's just busy as a bee around here. Anyway, I'm Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. That's Valdez with an S, by the way. Make sure you chime in on social media. I look at all the comments. Sometimes I'll even fight with you if you say something nasty. So let's uh, have a little bit of fun on Twitter. Our guest is Eileen Subject. She's uh, president of the National Federation of Republican Women. And uh, we're talking about all things women, all things in the Republican Party. We're here at CPAC. It's our, part of our special coverage here on Radio Row at CPAC. And Eileen Subject, we left off with 
how a nice girl like you got involved in Republican politics. How does that happen? Well, hey, it was, it's, a, it's a great story because I came from a Democrat family. Went to college, got married. My children were going to school. I'm a former educator. And I saw what was happening with the teachers' union and what they wanted to bring into the schools. So I got involved there. My husband and I also had a business, and um, we saw the struggle of trying to maintain your business with taxes and everything else that was going on. So we started going to Republican meetings, and that's how it all got started. But the Republican women, I was involved in leadership in the Republican Party, but I helped organize a Republican women's group. What I saw with the women was that this was a place where women could grow Women could have confidence working with each other, be educated and empowered, and get involved in politi poli politics. And I just loved it. So from there, I just kept doing it. I've been a volunteer for over 30 years doing this. And then now I'm, I'm president. It just happened. <laughs> Did you serve in other positions of leadership within the organization? Yes, I started out as a club president and then um, worked my way up to the state president for about four years. And then I was elected to member at large at the national and served in several offices at the National Federation of Republican Women. So I've had a lot of experience before I took on this position. And I'm from Washington State and then moved to Alexandria, Virginia during my term to serve. So I've been living here for two years and I'm doing this because I love my country. I love my family. I've got nine grandchildren at home. Wow. Yes. And uh, back in Washington state. And I want this country to be better for them and to continue. And I see it going backwards. I grew up in a really special time in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, a little crazy, but what I see now, I mean, I just want to work really hard so this is a better place for my grandchildren. All the men and women that are listening that want to support the work you're doing and learn more about it, where do they go? Well, they can go to NFRW.org. That's NFRW.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all the social media. Check us out there. And uh, we'd love to hear from men and women as well. Outstanding. Eileen Subject, thank you so much for being thank with us. We you. appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, folks. So it's a, it's a great time here at CPAC. There's so much going on. There's energy in the room. It's, uh, it's always nice to be around like-minded individuals and, and see old friends and make new friends. And it's one of those things where you think, man, there's so few opportunities that we have in a given year where you get to do things like this. But this is one of those. CPAC is that opportunity. So if you've ever had a chance to come and check it out, please do. I rarely um, do the radio row because I like to actually participate in the festivities or I'm usually a speaker and I get to have a good time. But it, it's really a, a pleasure and I recommend it highly. And you're going to make some friendships that you'll, that'll last for decades. Anyway, um, let me... Um, remind you that on Monday, we're going to give you the scoop on what President Trump said in his remarks on Saturday at CPAC. And Open Phone America is coming back. The late night tradition started by Larry King, continued by Bohannon and me. That continues. And you can always give us a call on Monday where we'll be uh, live and national with America's late night town hall, taking your calls and more uh, on Monday and the rest of the week. This is our special CPAC coverage and I'm signing off, but I will always leave you with my... Uh, my closing remarks, which are, take care, good night, and God bless. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night.
John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.